Let's talk housing. David Eby has promised some major changes if elected. Here's Jasmine Bula's report. Eby's housing plan includes a new initiative called BC Builds that would be launched to fast-track the construction of affordable middle-class housing using government tools like fast approval and public land. Eby's plan would also see secondary suites legalized across the province and allow home builders in major urban centres to replace a single-family home with up to three units on the same footprint. And we can't have cities that are opting out of housing. It's essential infrastructure. It's like... Uh, it's like electrical wires, it's like sewage. Uh, we can't have families that are forced and priced out of communities because the city is, is not approving that housing. EB says he would provide $500 million through a new rental housing acquisition fund, allowing nonprofit partners to buy and protect at-risk affordable rental housing. New tools would be put in place to crack down on speculators, including a flipping tax that would apply on the purchase of a residential property. Well, this tax will be aimed at very specifically taking the profit out of that transaction for short-term flippers. The tax rate would go down the longer the property is held and phase out after two years. Before he made his announcement to run for party leadership, Eby was the minister responsible for housing. When asked where all of these ideas were during that time, this was his response. I'm really proud of the work that I did as, uh, as housing minister during the pandemic, but we know it's not good enough. And uh, we have an opportunity now uh, to deliver and to move upstream. Angelia Potteri is the only other candidate challenging EB in the leadership race, but she has not yet officially been cleared to run. Jasmine Bala, Global News. That was Global News reporter Jasmine Bala talking about the EB housing announcement. And joining me now to talk more about this is Tom Armstrong, CEO of the BC Co-op Housing Federation. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. How are you? Great, Tom. Thanks for being with us so early on a Sunday morning. Listen, you, you tweeted that the BC Builds proposal is a game changer. What do you mean by that? Well, it, it, it's really an all-hands-on-deck approach. If you look at the, the, the scope and the reach of the strategy, it's a comprehensive proposal that engages everyone who's part of the housing ecosystem, from municipal governments to nonprofits and co-ops to Indigenous communities to the private sector. So it recognizes that everyone has a role to play in, in getting a grip on this housing crisis and everyone has to contribute to a solution. And what did you see there about co-op housing specifically that appeals to you? Well, we're very excited to hear finally an announcement of the rental housing acquisition fund because we think that the the loss of affordable rental housing uh, as it's purchased by real estate investment trusts and other uh, international investors has, has really hampered the ability of government to achieve its housing goals. So, you know, a, a very conservative estimate is that over the past few years, for every new affordable home we've been able to build under what everyone knows is a historic provincial investment, we've lost three. And this is older stock that's, that's very affordable to the tenants who currently live in it. And if we can see that stock move into the community housing sector, whether it's by a conversion to co-op, or being acquired by a nonprofit housing society or an Indigenous housing society, this is going to be a key element in preserving affordability for the long term. What about actual rent increase? Do we need to clamp down on that? Well, you know, the government has done a pretty balanced job to date in, in regulating rent increases. You know, where there might be some room to to build on that is is in 
the restrictions that could be placed on rents as properties become vacant. Um, That's not in the housing policy, but it's a conversation that we think it's time uh, everyone had. What else would you have liked to have seen in here? Um, You know, when I I said it was comprehensive, I, I really did have to struggle to find something that that's missing now of course there's there's not a budget attached to the strategy and, and there's, <laughs> good you know, point we, tom <laughs> we know we all know the devil is in the details there yes. but you know the, the the government has made a historic investment um, beginning in in 2017 that seven billion dollars over 10 years now those numbers have been overtaken by the market we know um so this is a very very ambitious plan and it will need an equally ambitious budget allocation to support it Yeah. Now, we've heard about this pledge to override the municipalities in order to fast-track the affordable middle-class housing. How likely do you think that is? Well, you know, as you look across the provincial landscape, you see that some municipalities have really stepped up and and done their bit to promote the the development of affordable, uh, purpose-built rental housing, and others have really lagged behind. I mean, there are 30 municipalities uh, in the province that have not seen a single purpose-built rental unit uh, developed in their borders uh, over the last six years. And, you know, as as uh, as David Eby said in his announcement, that's just unacceptable. You can't opt out of being part of a solution to the housing crisis. And yet, Tom, we are seeing some BC mayors really pushing hard against that. And they're they're saying you can't override municipalities on land use and that if you are going to do that, they're threatening that this could spark a legal challenge. Well, you know, let's see how that turns out. I mean, as I said, the municipalities who are who are pulling their weight don't have to worry about that override because they will already be achieving the targets that are set out in the housing needs studies. Although, you know, we all know there are some issues around the methodology used to develop those those housing needs studies. But, you know, I think we have to ask ourselves, if you're a municipality who's saying we just don't see the need to be a partner, in making sure that the people who live and work here uh, can, af- can afford to stay. Uh, you know, I think that's that's something the government has to tackle, and I'm pleased to see it in the policy. And David Eby saying that this proposal would level the playing field. How quickly do you think that would that affect actual supply? Well, that's the big question, isn't it? The, the you know, the introduction of new supply is not an overnight uh, issue. You can't just flip a switch and, and you know, new supply magically appears. Um, permitting and approval processes have to change to accommodate uh, the applications that are coming in from the private sector and the community housing sector. Um, you know, damping down um, demand and, and, and tweaking the rules around flipping and, and, and speculation, they, they, it's going to take a little bit of time to see those impacts. So, but all that says uh, to to me that you know it's time to get going. We we need to get these uh, changes in place um, right away. Uh, see how they ripple uh, through the market, and if it's not enough, we'll have to be prepared to do more. One interesting thing about this proposal, I think, is that it's challenged some people to think ambitiously. That if even some of these nuts and bolts didn't actually pan out, folks are starting to think strategically differently. Well, you're absolutely right. And, and, you know, I've heard some people say um, that perhaps it's moving too quickly. But, you know, I would say if, if, if we're going to say that we're in the midst of a housing crisis, let's act like it. You know, let, let's, let's build on solutions that actually have a fighting chance 
of, of solving the problem and providing real affordable homes for people. All right, Tom, we'll have to leave it there. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure.